Hello! Welcome to Beast Fables. This is the live show that I play with my friends, and we explore the huge world of tiny beasts set in the Scottish environment, uh, forests, mountains, valleys, rivers, lochs, and beyond. Uh, my name is Brian. I run Dungeons on a Dime, which is an entry-level tabletop role-playing game imprint publisher thing. Uh, I run the the game. My pronouns are he, him, and I am joined today by Ver. But before we get into introducing ourselves properly, I just want to say thank you to Roll20 for sponsoring our lovely little show. Uh, they have got a really cool website, and we are playing on Roll20 in all of our shows. So you can see here, we've got cool little like grid i'm just gonna draw a little smiley face roll 20 is great you can draw on it there are character sheets we do lots of doodles of animals during the show because we have little restraint however you can see that you can do dice you can roll things we even have a full set of character sheets this is balthazar i'm covering up first drawing for a small amount of time to show you look there's a character sheet you can roll dice that is just cool you can see him roll on the screen. That was a natural, critical, amazing for success, and it was great. That has never happened to me in game. <laughs> it's never going to happen again. I've used it up. Yeah. Um, we're playing the Adventures on a Dime system, and you're going to get a really fun look into character kind of creation and basic adventures in this lovely interlude. We're taking a break from the story of Balthazar and Pipistrelle. And switching the camera over to Greer, a new and interesting hair. I am joined today by Ver, who will be playing Greer. Ver, could you please introduce yourself? I can certainly do that. My name is Ver. I use they, them pronouns. I am an illustrator and comic artist. Uh, in fact, I do believe that it is my picture that is uh, on today's little um, uh, thumbnail for our game. Uh, it is a picture of Greer herself, the character that I will be playing. A hair, a meadow hair operative of the Tusk Legion, uh, who is quick, curt, and perhaps a little sinister. I'm recreating it with my mouth. <laughs> oh, is, oh, she has a little, little cat face. Whoa, look at her go. Big knife. Perfect. Whoa, what's that? Her tail? <laughs> Hello? Oh, that's her legs! Oh, she's doing like a big old Sonic run. Yes. Well, I'd say that's a pretty generous interpretation of uh, her physicality, but that's what art is all about, isn't it? Knife. No. Knife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's, that's exactly what she sounds like when she, she doesn't say knife, she says knife. Knife. <laughs> Uh, if you're not watching us live or you're listening on the podcast, we like to draw lots of stupid images, um, but you're probably not missing out on much because we're dumb. <laughs> yes. They are uh. Uh, very interpretive. <laughs> and uh, we would be joined by Atlanta today, um, but unfortunately she's not available. So, I'm just going to shout her anyway. Atlanta plays Pipistrelle uh, in the main show, and I am more than sure that Atlanta and I will be... Uh, doing our own little interlude in the future and doing some little solo characters, uh, which is fun. But yeah, uh, today we are creating the character of Greer, who is an interesting figure. Um, and then we're going to be playing through an exciting 
uh, little adventure that I have strung together. I think I could call it uh, Rumors and Fire or something like that. Smoke on the Wind. Smoke on the Wind. Past Brian is much cooler than present Brian. <laughs> well, past Brian uh, wasn't, you know, in the spotlight in the moment and uh, perhaps coming down from a coffee high from earlier in the day. Yeah, coffee high is the, the whole reason. But yeah, let's start with, with Greer. So, uh, Ver, please talk about Greer and say hello. Introduce us to Greer. That's my, the words yes. I'm using. Um, well, Greer is a meadow hare. There are two species of hare in Scotland. Um, there are, uh, can you remind me, the mountain hare? Am I remember that? Yeah, correctly? it's mountain hares and meadow hares. And meadow, yeah, meadow hares. Uh, so uh, Greer is a meadow hare, so she has that kind of. Uh, actually, uh, Brian, would you be able to click onto my bio and info? Um, tab so people can see her little avatar. You can kind of see her face up close. Um, so Greer uh, kind of has that characteristic markings of a meadow hair, uh, brown grayish fur uh, with a few dapples of uh, white fur on her um, around her eye and on the other side of her muzzle and chest. Uh, much like the beasts in this world, uh, she is somewhat anthropomorphized. Um, she wears a loose jacket, uh, and uh, she, unlike my other character, who's part of the No Pants gang, uh, <laughs> Greer wears pants. Uh, baggy, um, with, uh, with uh, pockets for tools and um, useful for... Uh, uh, like she, I, I imagine she, when she goes, you know, gets the Mizumis, uh, she goes on all fours, uh, but she's able to use her hands uh, uh, in a similar way that us humans can, um, in which case she goes on, uh, she like assumes a bipedal stance. Um, and uh, her, I think uh, one of her striking features is um, it's something that I noticed on meadow hares is they have these reddish brown eyes that, especially That's in some in some light, yeah, in, in in certain types of light, they just look straight up red. Uh, it, it's very yeah. intimidating. I've, I was very captivated by that, and uh, because we allow ourselves for some artistic liberties, Greer has red eyes, mm. uh, and um, they kind of add to her to her uh, aura, <laughs> let's say. Mm. Um, she also actually has some scarring on the side of her face, on the... Uh, the other side the, that we can't see. Yeah, the other side, we don't see it on the avatar. It's visible on the uh, um, thumbnail graphic. Uh, I have a larger version of that graphic on my Twitter which and Tumblr, which I will boost at the end of this game. Well, uh, I mean, if but, people want to swap over and look at it now, it is at Verface. Yeah, Verface at Twitter. Um, it's one of the top graphics right now. It's also on the promo graphic from Dungeons on a Dime for this episode. You can very clearly see uh, she has a kind of scar that goes over her eye and a little bit on the sides of her cheek. Um, and uh, I think that's as far as the physical oh, description of Greer. I mean, I kind of want to know how Greer got that scar. Uh, well, Greer has been... Uh, I don't think that was... Those are like scars. Uh, it's kind of these three visible scars. Um, mm. I imagine she has more scars, but they're just kind of overgrown with fur because you know animals are um, hairier than us and and kind of mm. can conceal these things more more easily. Uh, well, due to her uh, 
past jobs. Uh, she worked as something of a bounty hunter. Uh, she has been in uh, more than one scuffle in her life. Um, and these scuffles were life and death. And uh, she has clearly emerged the victor, but uh, not without some marks to show the hardships uh, of these victories. Um, I don't have... a. Uh, like there's no you know particular story behind them. Like ah, oh, this is the scar from my nemesis. It is. It is very much just. It comes with the job. Yeah. Um, it's one of many. Yeah, one one of many. But the ones on her because the the fur on the face is a little finer. Uh, they are uh, these kind of visible visible patches of scarred over tissue. Um, mm. No doubt, some of them tended to by the uh, stitchers. The it, let's say doctor cased of the beasts mm. that she has some familiarity with. Um, so if you're building her, uh, well, so, so that was kind of her physical description. Yeah. Uh, I think when it comes to personality, I can talk about that a little bit more along with her jobs. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, do you want to, do you want to kind of ex like, do you want to do a little tutorialish kind of, you know, mid season yeah. thing of how we build characters? Yeah, let's do that, because some people might be joining a little bit later, so it's nice to sort of... This is a good, like, going to be a couple good jumping-in episodes if you've not seen Adventures on a Dime, if you've not heard of Beast Fables, just sort of see what our little shindig is about. So Adventures on a Dime is a very simple entry-level role-playing system that's designed to be as versatile for lots of different settings and stories as it is fun to play and easy to get. And it um, is really fun to play. <laughs> I'm also really happy with just how flexible it is. Like, I I came into this wanting to distill a lot of the the idea of, like, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, a lot of these very, like, popular, very heavy, hardcore role-playing games, and distill a lot of the concepts they have and the rules so that by playing Adventures on a Dime, you get a taste of them, and if you wanted to go to more complex role-playing games, you now have experience, you now understand some of the basic concepts, you can then move forward. But I feel like it's, it's kind of its own beast now, and it's very oh, fun. Um, I really enjoy it. So in Adventures on a Dime, uh, from Dungeons on a Dime, my publishing imprint, ha 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 ha, um, you play adventurers. Adventurers are competent uh, explorers, and they basically are summarized by their jobs and their abilities. Uh, adventurers have three abilities, cunning, vigor, and willpower. And whenever they need to do something that is complicated, they make a test against one of these stats, as decided by the narrator. So in this game, I'm the narrator. I'm explaining the world, presenting the challenges, and the adventurers, i.e. the today, um, will be finding solutions and doing actions in the story to move the story forward. So whenever you need to make a test, you can click this little roll button, and it will roll a dice for you. If you roll a one, you get a hijinks result. Whatever you wanted to do uh, goes terribly wrong or is very much has an unintended effect. Uh, if you roll a two or a three, you get a complication. You're, you barely manage to pull it off, but not without consequence. So you succeed at what you're doing, but it comes with an extra cost. And then if you get a four or higher, you get a success. So you do what you want to do um, and the story moves forward. If you roll the highest that your die can roll, you get a critical success, so things go even better than expected. The stats that you have here, Cunning, Vigor, and Willpower, can be of different sizes of die. So if you've got a d10, then there's a much higher chance that you're going to get a success, or even a critical success if you roll a 10, like in well this example here. Loving it with Greer. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, um, so for Greer's stats, I have it in my head that her greatest strength is um, her uh, adaptability, uh, her problem solving, which is usually represented by cunning. Um, so I would probably like to allocate her highest dice into cunning, as she is someone uh, who will try to uh, usually apply a smart solution to problems, or um, a solution uh, uh, kind of utilizing um, a uh, inventiveness or mm. um, uh, some kind of uh, maybe not skullduggery, but might as well, you know. Who knows? Who knows what she's going to be up against? But she's got a very um, tactical and organized mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the base dice that we can choose, if I remember correctly, uh, if you add them all up, they have to be twenty-two or twenty-four. Can you remind 24. me? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. So that means you could have an even spread, like the average adventurer. Uh, uses d8s for all stats. So we'll show... Uh, I'll just put d8s in for all of them. Oh, my lovely sins have done it. So the average adventurer is resourceful, fit, and confident. You can see above each stat that the size of base die gives you a nice little keyword you could use to understand your adventurer's strengths and weaknesses. So, for example, willpower there could be present, could be confident. If you've got a d12, the highest die, you've got a heroic willpower. You're able to face any odd with your, your energy and zeal. If you've got a d4, then you're fearful. You're, you're scared of everything and are worried for your own safety. Which are all traits that adventurers could have. Um, so the average spread is, say, d8. So 8, 16, 24. But you could have higher die and lower die in any combination across these three statistics. So, mm. uh, what the, do you think are Greer's abilities? Um... I, um, like, I feel she has a pretty, uh, even spread, like, Balthazar's very even maxi. My other character mm. is a, a toad called Balthazar, uh, and his defining features are that, that he's heroic and foolish. So he has a d4 in cunning and a d12 in willpower. Uh, I feel Greer is more balanced. Um, I, I mean, to be perfect, like, the d because I thought it's actually 22 when I was thinking about her spreads, so mm. these D8s actually kind of sound really nice, uh, but I don't know if that's kind of boring. Um, well, I don't I, think any combination of character is boring. I think I um, something that I'm going to be playing with, I have a Patreon where I build new rules for Adventures on a Dime and I'm kind of expanding the robustness of the system. One of the things that happens, which we'll get onto with jobs, is that you, uh, you learn new skills and your character becomes more... Uh, uh, applicable they learn new things one of the things i was thinking would be another good development for your character is the ability to swap the sizes of die so you know lowering one die and increasing another to represent how your character's strengths change over time it doesn't mean you get more higher die you don't you never change from having a total of 24 but for example balthazar who's started this adventure who's very very high willpower and very very low cunning might find that his willpower wanes a little bit as his cunning increases and that might be represented <laughs> through like knowing that he's not infallible but also being more resourceful and witty that's about impossible. that <laughs> no, that's impossible <laughs> night of justice <laughs> yeah um well i actually have to say uh that i quite i think i quite like the spread of d8s um mm. she's kind of very because she's supposed to be someone who's very competent Mm. Um, regardless of her personality or how she engages in things, uh, she does have a history, uh, she's a more experienced character than Balthazar and Pipistrelle, as, um, mm. 
Mm. Brian had explained that characters are kind of defined by their jobs and features, and the way this works, if I can explain it while I'm talking about it, is if your character has a job, they have accumulated a certain amount of skills, three skills per job, they then gain a trait and a flaw also based off of that job. And if you're performing some kind of action that has to do, or where you can apply your past experiences, you can basically tag a skill and you get an advantage on that roll. So you get to roll twice and take the higher result. Mm. Um, so a character like Greer has more experience under her belt. Uh, she has done more things. So um, I kind of don't mind having her this even spread because it's very likely that because of her experience, um, she's going to have a very good chance of tagging these past skills um, and and have and basically getting a higher chance of success uh, just on account of getting to maybe roll twice. Um, so I'm kind of fine moving into her job section as I think yeah. resourceful, fit, and confident does actually describe her very well. Um, this is what I love about the little words is that it, it gives you a good sense of the character and it, it helps really you with role playing them as well. Because you think, yeah. how would my character like physically or mentally react in the situation? Well, Greer's confident. I don't think she'd shy away from this. Or Greer's fit. I don't think she would be daunted by climbing a, a rock wall or something. Yeah, um, I do I do quite like that. So uh, we can move on to the job. Uh, so uh, we're kind of getting a little bit into the backstory of the character. We discussed this a little bit with Brian, how much we want to talk about it, but I think it's, it's going to be fun to go over a, a little bit here and then kind of flesh it out of the game um, and uh, kind of see what that means. So her first job is going to be an apprentice tanner. Um, oh, before we get into specific oh. jobs, jobs have uh, six things that you need to fill out. Uh, all adventurers start with one job, and then you can learn skills and make new jobs as you progress in the story. Uh, jobs have a job title, so Apprentice Tanner. They have three skills, which are general sort of like verb-led sentences. They're kind of doing things. You're good at doing this. You're good at doing this. You've learned how to do this. Um, and they also then come with one trait and one flaw. A trait is something that you have learnt on the job, a perspective, a piece of experience. It's something that has in, that you have learned and has become a formative part of you. It doesn't have to be a skill in the sense of, oh, I've learned how to climb walls if I'm a ranger. It could be, um, I've got an appreciation for nature, for example. And then a flaw is something negative uh, that you have picked up on the job. It could be something physical. It could be that you've worked, uh, that your sleep schedule is messed up because you've been working uh, night shifts as a nurse. Um, it could be something uh, uh, mental. It's a, a representation that not all experiences in life are nice. And it's something that can be interesting and make your experiences and adventure a little bit more difficult as your flaws are tagged by the uh, narrator. So just like... Uh, the adventurer can tag a skill um, to gain advantage on a roll. The narrator tries to tag traits and flaws, giving advantage or disadvantage on a roll, respectively, to show the strengths and weaknesses of the character outside of their own control. Indeed. Um, yes. <laughs> Words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, starting with uh, some of Greer's. Uh, yeah. So Greer's stuff. first job was apprentice tanner. Uh, I feel as part of this job she would have learned, uh, this is something similar to what I think uh, Balthazar has as a squire, but um, taking care of her tools. Um, it probably taking care of tools and organizing. Uh, mm. I imagine she was working under somebody as 
an apprentice, a mentee, uh, and would have to kind of do these uh, more menial tasks that teach her how to take, you know, maintain the tools of her trade. Hmm. Um, so would, would these be fine skills, you reckon? Uh, type them in, and we'll see how they phrase. Um... Because the fun thing is, you can type into any of these boxes. Shout out to Roll20, awesome character sheet. I mean, uh, Wes Baker was uh, the, the coder I worked with on this, and he did a fantastic job. Uh, but Roll20 is a really nice website to have all this sort of, like, technical stuff. It just makes it very easy. There are loads of character sheets for all sorts of systems. Uh, but if you want to play Adventures of Dime, Ulu, come love us. Because <laughs> um, she, uh, just as a quick note, she's going to have Apprentice Tanner and then... Journeyman or yes. master? Journeyman. Mm. Um. So I think the the lines are going to be in journeyman, Tanner, mm. and as an apprentice, it's going to be a little bit more of the menial things. So I have these two. Um. Uh, I'm kind. Of, I'm not going to lie. I'm slightly referencing the character sheet of a previous character that I played in Dungeons and Dime, <laughs> uh, Sir Eleanor, the Knight of Sorrows, Ooh. who, because uh, she was a knight medic and uh, previously she was a mortician, <laughs> and there is some overlap of certain phrasings that I'm kind of looking at to help myself here because um, they kind of uh, helped. Um, uh. I feel like a trait of the apprentice tanner would be something to the extent of being like unshakable, uh, because it is a bit of a gruesome job. Hmm. Um, unshakable or hmm, unflinching. I feel like, like yeah, yeah. You have a you because you've worked a lot with uh, creatures. You don't have a third Stop. skill, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just haven't thought mm. of it yet. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, unflinching is a good um, term because you're not really shocked by a lot of things anymore um, as, a, as a tanner because you work with a lot of, like, bodies and, and animals and stuff like Grass that. Grass stuff. Yeah. Gross. Ew. And I think uh, maybe for your floor, I think maybe... I don't want to lean into a trope. I know a lot of very caring and, and emotional uh, people who work in some very... Uh, grim fields. I mean, like, if you go on YouTube, there are some uh, morticians out there who are hilarious. So I don't want to say cold as a flaw. I know that Greer, we kind of talked about Greer's personality, is very severe um, and cursed. She's, but I don't necessarily think, like, yeah. cold emotions is a flaw uh, that no, you've she's Because she's kind of, like, pragmatic and she's... Um, she, she's not uncaring because she joined the Tusk Legion for, for the reasons that she did. Mm. Um, maybe the the phrasing, like, gr well, I was actually thinking, because there's a, there's a certain position that the Tanners have. Um, something like, not grim, but, um, or this, maybe this could be the journeyman Tanner flaw, actually, the way that other people perceive her. Uh, not ostracized because they're not, but um, intimidating, maybe. Or I feel like that was that's a, a trait slash flaw that we would be picking up later. Mm. And I'd say like intimidating is 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 more of a positive element. Um, maybe like taboo. 
Like uh, the floor is something the... that inhibits you as a, as an adventurer. Yeah. So, so, so the I'd floor say would be an apprentice or in journeyman. An apprentice, because we're working on apprentice right now. Yeah. Okay. I'd say like maybe the floor is uh, like socially taboo. Mm-hmm. In that, when people know that you're a tanner, they start to withdraw from you. There's a there's a like an element of that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not what she does, but like what she is in terms of how others react to it. Not yeah, yeah. It, it does. It isn't coming from her as in her personality, mm. but the the social standing that she has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I need a third skill for uh. So taking care of equipment, organizing, and um. Oh um uh uh. uh making um we just literally tanning <laughs> well i was gonna say like making chemicals um essentially maybe oh. not the whole tanning process but you're the one taking buckets of piss and making saltpeter <laughs> and getting yeah. all of the ingredients that you need to tan you're you're Ow, good with the messy <laughs> the messy business um well let's say basic alchemy basic yeah because i guess she might have picked no a, um no? preserving preserving because it incorporates that idea of like knowledge of things going off preserving salting that sort of thing you're very good at um preservative alchemy and that sort of thing um um so that was your apprenticeship um as, as a tanner and that was all of the dirty business that you need to know as a tanner but hopefully when you become a journeyman a master you're able to then foist that sort of uh stuff off onto another apprentice (laughs) So, as a journeyman, what sort of skills would you be practicing every day? Uh, the thing that I just like the phrasing of is following the lines. Mm, yes, we talked about this. Could you describe cutting. what following the lines is? Yeah. Um, the um, uh, following the lines means uh, following the lines that you need to cut. Uh, up pelts or creatures mm-hmm. uh, and um, they are the knowledge isn't forbidden but it is taboo because mm-hmm. you are cutting up other beasts I think uh, until the recent forming of the guild of stitches it was also something that only the tanners knew how to do yes uh, and uh, like knowing this knowledge made you a tanner yeah I feel yeah. like it's sort of um it's like, if you knew how to do this, you were a tanner, even if you didn't want to use it. And it's sort of, that's the taboo element of creatures don't want to know or speak to tanners because they don't want to learn this information and and kind of become a tanner, even yeah. accidentally. Yeah. Um, so she knows how to follow the lines. Um, uh, I suppose she would know tracking, right? Mm. Because the tanners kind of double as bounty hunters as well well i'd say Um, that's their main role actually well yeah because yeah they're not yeah they don't go around just being like well i need to cut some bodies up Mm. um they're uh i i do believe that from what you had said that tanning became a little bit of a uh additional feature of their job Mm. of being able to take care of the things that others are unwilling to or unable to um so she's able to, to track things um and uh, I believe maybe hmm, something would be good to uh, go with that. Um, kind of the, the, the hardiness of a lifestyle where you're uh, kind of being a bounty hunter. Um, maybe vigilance? Mm. 
vigilance. Um, I think tirelessness. Tirelessness, I'll take it. Like, it's sort of, you're able to stay up for like 48 hours and stay, and it's sort of like that hounding. Uh, Mm -hmm. You, as a journeyman, and kind of it's like that transition from apprentice to journeyman, you, as you were kind of following your master, you would have been like, you would have been the one keeping the watch all the way through the night while your master got the sleep. So that if your 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 bounty your quarry moved, then you could pounce on them at a moment's notice. But your master needed to sleep because they were better than you. So like you've yeah. got this tirelessness that is going to be useful for you as a master as well. Yeah. Okay. So tireless, uh, a good trait um, that comes with this job would be, I mean, would straight up just because like. I don't know if I'm going to be rolling for it because it's a little grotesque, but mm. I do know how to tan because I'm a tanner. Or is that implicit just because of my job? I think it's I, I think it's part of your job. That? I'd also say it's probably like preservative alchemy is what you'd tag for that. Um, okay. Or following the I, lines. That's part of the process because it's that thing of like, if my job was a cook, I probably wouldn't write cooking. It would maybe be like gathering herbs or mm. stuff like that and then it's like it's implicit that i'm probably good at the job that i had <laughs> or if you wanted to do something really specific you could be like a, like designing what's the word hawkature Col- is like the clothing of it but the yeah. just like fancy uh, michelin star stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah trait couture mm. couture beauty yeah grace uh fashion mm. um <laughs> Uh, new character. Um, trait. Uh, Johnny Montana, I think... Maybe that's where the intimidation comes in. Righto. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Uh, I am we said, what was it? Sinister aura. Sinister energy. Sinister, yeah, sinister, sinister vibes. Mm. Uh, no, no, I will just write sinister. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, uh, I guess, that that's kind of, an, like, the flip side of the social taboo is there is... Uh, they do, they're not just joyriding out here, they do perform a service that mm. people need, and uh, at times it can be used, the knowledge of your standing can be used to your advantage. Uh, so I think that would be a trait. Um, it's also like, you can do you made... can do anything in a sinister way, which is why yeah. it's a skill. <laughs> yeah, she's not, because she herself is not like sinister like, you know, she's not malicious she's not like yeah. walking around rubbing her two little hands together just like <laughs> ah, I can't wait to cut somebody up mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah there's some kind of leeway I suppose that comes with with the job in terms of what you can not get away with because that sounds mm. sinister but it is sin- yeah so maybe actually that works um, the flaw would be uh, maybe it can be a flip side of unflinching. Because it's not like she's unempathetic, but may... I, I guess that's... I, I kind of back myself on the corner here, because, like, she is empathetic, sympathetic. She doesn't, like, express it, but that's just a personality thing. Mm. Uh, I don't think that she isn't caring. Uh, um, well, but something I feel- we talked about, because a flaw doesn't have to be directly like the job it can be something that's happened on the job and developed through performing the job we talked about um greer's uh the kind of bounties that greer takes 
So that might be one of how the flaw comes in. Uh, what kind of what kind of bounties does Greer take in your own words? Oh, um, the fact that she only takes behemoths mm. or that is that that because yeah. it was a very brief conversation. So part of me like doesn't remember yeah. if we said. Oh, okay. So I um, you said that Greer only takes the uh, only takes predators, so beasts that exclusively eat other beasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and I feel like your flaw might be that you have some kind of like predator hatred or like some kind uh, of, of no what's the word um prejudice yeah predator prejudice yeah. which also alliteration so we stand um yeah i like she, this idea that about yeah, them we're gonna make judgment because... but also like you are they're like a they're a button they push your buttons just their presence so Mm, that's a flaw yeah. that can be tagged oh, in. It's gonna be interesting, because, like, especially if she's, like, she's supposed to do something, and then just, like, a creature rolls up, like a, I don't know, an owl, and she's just yeah. like, Okay, Whoa! plan out the window, <laughs> plan B, kill the owl. Like, yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel that's gonna, oh, that's interesting for me as a player, because that is a flaw that I'm gonna be, like, me as a player, I'm gonna be fighting with that. Mm. As then, as then, I'm just like, no, career, don't do it. But you're like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> this is and another aspect of Adventures on a Dime that I really like. Uh, I wanted to introduce this idea of role playing, of flaws and traits, and being excited by the conflicts between your own actions as a person, say like Brian or Ver, and then your actions as a character, and enjoying the chaos that comes out of that. Yeah, I feel this flaw is really like. I'm, I'm, me myself as a player. I, um, maybe that didn't come across much in Balthazar, but generally, generally, I'm quite cautious. Like, I, I like taking premeditative, er, kind of premeditative, premeditative planned actions to make sure that everything goes well. And this kind of flaw is absolutely gonna just be a wrench in those plans. But mm. I'm already excited of just being like, well, Greer has to fight. <laughs> she has to, she, she catch these hands, Fox. <laughs> Also, um, very slight side note. I just got a text from my publisher saying that a delivery of maybe a thousand books for my Kickstarter might be happening today. Oh, we have well, no confirmation from the the, uh, the printer if they're coming. So if I get a buzz and then I have to really quickly leave the stream, uh, we might go on break for fifteen minutes and then come back as I haul all of the books into my flat. <laughs> woof. Yeah. Uh understandable we'll, though also uh, they might not arrive until like nine o'clock in the evening so who knows yeah it's one of those maybe sometime today maybe yeah. not i wish just, i, I wish i'd been possible. told that maybe they'd be coming today otherwise i would have like planned something but yeah <laughs> yep. yeah well we'll do with that as it comes then um yes. but yeah we have uh that's uh the journeyman tanner filled out and she has a third job now yes. is that going to be the operative i it could be operative, or it could be master tanner. I, I like operative. I don't think yeah, because I don't think there's more I can do in master. Like I feel, I feel the journeyman uh, fulfills like these two slots of tanner. Yeah. Kind of like between the two of them, they have everything I kind of need. So yeah. I'm gonna write in a tusk legion operative. Um. Uh. Also, oh god, I really quickly have to shout out an amazing comment that my friend. Blair made on my picture of mm -hmm. uh, Greer, which was uh, oh, did I? Oh goodness! Uh, 
Because <laughs> I wrote that uh, she's an operative of the Tusk Legion, mm-hmm. and uh, my friend surmised that as she's a member of a special Tusk Force. Uh-huh. Oh, God, I love it. It's going in. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tusk Legion operative. Um, so after her experiences as a tanner, um, uh, uh, Greer made her way to uh, working alongside the Tusk Legion, which uh, Brian, do you want to explain a little bit of what, like, I'll in the most general what you term? know about the Tusk? Okay, yeah, Legion. yeah, because because uh, like Balthazar, this is something that Balthazar and Pipistrel are also learning as part of the world. So mm. I know I don't know how much I know. We're going to be um, creating some wonderful dramatic irony. Uh, between well, we'll the main we'll story we'll and and uh, the interlude, but yes, um, you are an operative for the Tusk Legion. Uh, the past two years in the Bristly Woods, uh, which is the the place where the story is set, uh, boars have been raiding into the woods, destroying the villages and towns of beasts, and have been causing all manner of harm. They are ruthless aggressive, bloodthirsty, um, and in the way of boars, they eat anything that's in their path. They've devastated fields, and they've destroyed lives. The Tusk Legion is one of several forces of beasts, coalitions, so to speak, that have come together to push them back, and ultimately the Tusk Legion played a major role in routing the boars and making sure that they didn't return to the Bristly Woods. Uh, as an operative of the Tusk Legion, you know how important the Legion has been in the south and west of the Bristly Woods um, in doing this role. You know that the... because you're an operative, you know that the Legion is led by um, uh, Do you wanna... a figure that they, they call yeah. White Flank. You've never met White Flank. Mm-hmm. You know that White Flank sends uh, dove messengers to the leaders uh, of various uh, divisions and forces, but you've never you've never met White Flank. You only know that their commands come through Dove, mm-hmm. um, or by Dove, uh, and you know that the the Tusk Legion has uh, camps and bases spread out through, uh, throughout the the woods. Um, the because this is what we discussed. So. Because oh, Greer has been kind of working for them. Like, she, she's part of the Tusk Legion, but she's not, like, a foot soldier. She's a little mm. bit, like, a... Like, the, the operative... Yeah, she's a mercenary, uh, but she does align herself with their cause and ideology. Um, she does consider herself, like, a member of the Tusk Legion. Mm. But in terms of actual standing, um, due to the part of her past job... Um, and also just the way that her skills are utilized, she's, uh, not really part of the hierarchy, so to say, mm. which has its perks and has its, um, downsides. Uh, but one of the things that she has been doing is she has been mentoring, um, uh, the Tusk Legion, like, I guess, foot soldier, I'm not sure what they're called, but basically the, uh, kind of base fighters, uh, how to fight larger creatures as being a tanner that um, targeted predators specifically, or behemoths as they are mm. more commonly known in this world. So larger creatures, I guess this can also be kind of explained um, that the, the beasts, uh, are, the beasts would be generally something you, we would call like people. So you have mice, squirrels, 
up to, I think, about badger and otter-sized creatures or beasts. Yeah. They have their towns well, and, and... I would say um, the beasts... Yeah, they go up to, like, badgers, otters, um, and then they start to transition into this... The larger beasts start to become that behemoth level. There's no, like, there's a cutoff where, like, this is a behemoth and this isn't a behemoth. Uh, oh, is it like, part of behemoth? Or I think behemoth? so. Or behemoth? I, I don't know. Okay. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm going to be saying Behemoth and hope that nobody's uh, hurt by me saying that. <laughs> um, uh, so for Behemoth's... Behemoth, uh, I, I, I'm not... Like, anyway, call, like... Call them what works for you and I'll call yeah. it. It's tomato-tomato kind of terrain, terrain as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Um, so owls are like, they start to straddle that border because there are some owls that are smaller and there are some owls that are larger. Um, deer are definitely behemoths. If you consider the scale of, like, mice and rats and voles as, like, the base of, like, they're the smaller end, and then, like, badgers are the larger end of, like, beasts, behemoths are, like, deer, bears, wolves, creatures that are so magnificent in size that they are an entire other world to Like, yeah, you can kind of consider them as almost, um... The, the, the kind of most common line of comparison we have is in fantasy settings, something like D&D, you have all your humans and elves and stuff, and then you have dragons. Yeah. Where they, they're they very powerful, they're physically uh, a lot more powerful than your average person. Uh, and they kind of straddle this line of being basically like, almost like demigods, because uh, mm. they're just that strong. Like, if they wanted to, they could really mess up your day, your life, your livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why the but they're not, not so... intelligent. Like, you can, you know, speak... They're not just enormous creatures. They they have their intelligence and sapience, mm. uh, but the things that are important to them and the um, their worldviews are, are vastly different than that of yeah. an average person. So, in this world, um, these kind of large creatures, which usually are, like, I guess you have like deer, which aren't which aren't predators, but a lot of the larger creatures that do occupy these areas, foxes, wolves, bears, mm. are predators, and there is a very natural um, state of balance between the small beasts, the small numerous beasts, and the large um, predatory behemoths. Uh, but, uh, like, it is what it is, but maybe not everyone's happy with it. And then, yeah, Brian, you were saying boars. Well, the the reason why the boar war is so significant, nothing like this has ever happened in the Bristly Woods before. An entire horde, hundreds of behemoths attacking and ravaging the countryside, it's devastating, especially over two years. Because boars don't have a ton of natural predators and a lot of the creatures that are present in the Bristly Woods. Mm. And boars don't give a damn. They're (laughs) big, they've got tusks, they eat anything, they've got thick skin. Yeah. They are a a big menace uh, that, yeah, they just come in and they're like, well, I'm going to do whatever I like. Uh, And they significantly uprooted literally uh, the lives of many creatures in the Bristly Woods Mm. and uh, the Tusk Legion uh, the name kind of indicative a little bit of their uh, focus uh, was, yeah, one of the many forces that um, stood against them. 
Uh, so bringing it back to the, the Legion operative, I feel like what drew Greer to the Tusk Legion is the general direction of the Legion, which is fight the boars and then fight all predators. As a, as a meadow hare, as a larger beast, because me uh, hares are quite large, yeah, but still yeah. prey to a lot of different uh, animals out there. Uh, this idea of fighting back and of ending this vicious uh, like social hierarchy of predator and prey is something that has been quite attractive for Greer. This is something that we discussed. If you want to rephrase it in your own words, go ahead. Uh, no, I think that that pretty much uh, sums it up. Um, mm. So to figure the, out... Because uh, I guess uh, there, there's that like perfect storm of her particular job being what mm. it is. Um, and it's not very common for, for hares to be tanners as well. Mm. Um, but she, uh, kind of given what she does and the foes she's been up against, the uh, vision of the Tusk Legion aligns with uh, the things that, that she would like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and kind of her specialty as well, because given that she would usually hunt larger predators, um, uh, her skills are uh, definitely something that the Tusk Legion can use. Um, yeah. And uh, it kind of works for both sides. So uh, what sort of missions did Greer go on for the Tusk Legion? Oh, I have not really thought of that. Um, but I do believe that um, she would probably be taking uh, care of uh, managing kind of particular strikes because she mm. can't like she can't take care of a if we're talking about like war specifically during the Boer Wars. Um, she can't root large groups of them, but if there is one that is, uh, maybe has been just, like, uh, separated from, mm -hmm. uh, whether due to routing or because it's just maybe a curmungingly, uh, bore mm. that does play with others, um, she would be able, she'd probably be in charge of kind of taking those creatures down, because with her, uh, knowledge of following the lines, mm. uh, she able to cripple or um, incapacitate a creature like that for other creatures to take it down. Mm. Uh, so I believe she was uh, like a operative for yeah, g uh, gorilla, gorilla. I'm not sure how you pronounce gorilla. that. Gorilla, like gorilla. like the animal, but yeah. spelled differently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, yeah, that's something that she would have been uh, doing. I think maybe well, moving silently would be a skill. Sort of that stealth and sneaking. Stealthing. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is kind of very <laughs> the irony of a hare being the one that stalks. Uh, mm. Oh, I like that story. Mm. So, stalking, I like the word of it, but also it has bad connotations. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it could be stalking prey. Stalking prey. Because that's specifically... Stalking just, uh, targets. Uh, I like the idea of, of like... The, the the predator has become Maybe marks. prey. Stalking your mark. Stalking mm. uh, targets, I think, is good. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like stalking marks better. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, and I, I guess the third one could be the mentoring 
that we had discussed. Mm. I think that if she had been, uh, especially if she had been, or maybe commanding, if she was, well, actually, instructing. You know what? Instructing, yes, because I do feel. Um, I, I think it would be. Uh, I would. I, I would like her to, to have that strength on her side because, in moments of duress, like she's the one who does give the instructions and commands. Yeah. And she does have a commanding presence, despite the social taboo and being kind of sinister. Um, that I feel it, it would kind of strike in obedience in those around her that maybe are not sure what to do. Uh, so I think I quite... Well, so is it specifically instructing apprentices or instructing just in general? Well, you could use it. Because the thing about skills, essentially, to tag a skill in a challenge you're doing, you explain how uh, one of your previous experiences would help give you advantage okay. in the check. So you could say, I have experience of instructing apprentices, so I'm instead going to use that to instruct this disorganized rabble to form into ranks to fight this animal, for example. Yeah. It doesn't have to be apprentices that you use the skill for. It's just yes. where you got the skill. It's partly like the origin and, and the thing you were doing as part of the job. Gotcha, gotcha. Perfect. Um, so like, instructing apprentices I allows you to tag that in any way you feel is creative. Uh, as, a, as a mechanic, it's trying to get the player to be uh, to consider their character's past and then how they can apply that in the future. Excellent, yeah. Because um, like, I definitely, uh, one of the reasons I was thinking taking care of equipment could play a role is if, like, I, I feel it's more difficult to damage or destroy her knives mm. because she takes such good care of them. Mm. Um, it was stuff like that where uh, she... It's warranted that her equipment is a little bit more sturdy or stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah Tusk Legion operative, uh, the trait that comes with it. Um, I feel you're much better at these than I am. Uh, I'm just going to rephrase uh, the skills in your apprentice. I'm going to call it maintaining equipment so that your equipment's oh, always at a high standard and then yeah. organizing objects in the sense of like you're good at keeping an organized workspace. Um, yeah, as opposed yeah. to, say, organizing ranks, which would be like creatures and beasts and armies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Organizing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's So, good... well, I think trait and flaw, they're actually very personal things for what you've been doing for the Legion. So what's something positive that, that Greer has taken away from being part of a larger force, as opposed to being a lone bounty hunter for most of her life? Yeah. What is something that well, she I... likes about being in the Legion? Um, maybe a sense of purpose? Mm -hmm. um, of being able to apply these skills uh, in a way that is constructive. Like, like I mean, it, it is constructive, but it's kind of it's a little grim. <laughs> um, but here, it's it is given a a newfound purpose, which. She didn't have a huge problem with it previously, but I think it's when she joined the Tusk Legion, she realized that it's nice to be able to lend her abilities in such a way to, to mm. these people that actually need it and want it. Um, so Grim Determination? Ooh, yeah, I like that. But I think it's only as far as, like, Tusk Legion things happen. Like, I don't feel sh I could tag that for... So, for example, uh, unflinching would be you see something horrible, but you're able to like suppress like a, a a gut reaction and keep on with your job. Grim determination is you're facing 
very, very bad odds, but you know what you need to do and you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, like the... Like they're, um, they're different aspects. They're not like words for the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and the flaw... Um, uh, maybe something like seeing the creatures... Like a kind of... Seeing those who don't necessarily... Who are just like, well, we don't like... the. The way that things are or have been up until now are, are fine. Like the world is what it is. Mm. Um, be something to do with that. Like not disillusion, disillusionment. Um, but something along those lines. Like maybe, uh, maybe like a a contempt for complacency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some manner of conceit is is present. Um, uh. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of... Mm. Do you want contempt or conceit? Uh, let me double-check the meanings of those words. I think they're synonyms. Uh, like, they're pretty close. Oh. Um... Uh, I, uh, I think conceit is more, like, to do with feeling pride. Mm. Contempt is more, like, you're projecting on the other person that they're... Um... disregard for something that should be considered uh, yeah because I, I think contempt is better because it's uh, like she she doesn't agree like mm. that you should be complacent yeah. um, contempt the feeling that a person or a thing is worthless or beneath consideration I think that if there is complacency you go ugh really yeah yeah like, you could do so much better sheeple <laughs> Sheep. Like, no, we're mice. The sheep are actually. I think metal. sheep are behemoths, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the, the all of the like uh, herbivore be be behemoths are mm. seen as like just ugh, because uh, they're big. They take up space. They can damage things, but they can't. They can't offer anything. They can't fight. They're very selfish. Yeah, and like they, they are... themselves are also prey, so they yeah, can't. And, and... They can't pair up with other beasts because ultimately they they don't offer anything yeah like they're they prey, they're also running like yeah selfish. yeah they mm. will always like, choose to save themselves because yeah and um so i guess actually maybe calling someone like sh you know sheep or something or mm. <laughs> is actually a it has a similar meaning as it does in its wool negative head, connotation wool-headed wool coward Oh, yeah, wool heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I love it. So, alongside uh, jobs, characters can also have features. These are individual skills or traits or flaws you get uh, through your adventure or through your background that aren't a job. Uh, they just are an individual. So, uh, this is to kind of represent uh, specific characteristics that um, your adventurer might have. So, in Beast Fables, uh, as it says in the name, all of the, the characters are beasts, and so they have different uh, skills to represent their advantages as a beast. So, as a hare, you have powerful leaps as a skill, and you have keen ears as a skill. So, you don't have to have these in a job to tag them, they're just separate things. I do have actually a question, because could the powerful leaps be more like powerful legs? Or is it just for jumping? Because because I feel like a kick from a from a hair mm, could probably yeah. Because um, it's such a <gasps> oh god curse. I was about to write like thick thighs. <laughs> <laughs> it was two C's. Oh god, trying to sneak up on the ball, but the... anyway, no, I'm not going to finish that. No, stop. stop! Adam, 
Animals do not have buttocks. <laughs> they do not clap. Humans literally are like the, the worst. The, no, but like the proportionate size of the glutes in, <gasps> in humans is like way, way, way bigger than any other creature. Oh my in the god, animal could kingdom. the skill be Gluteus Maximus? <laughs> well, that would be for humans. Yes, if you played as a human, it would be yeah. Gluteus Maximus. Uh, um, so you can sit on anything. <laughs> And you're good at squats. <laughs> mm. I'm just trying to find out. Powerful back legs. Or mighty yeah. back legs. Mighty legs. I think because, uh, like, her... The way that these creatures operate, like, I, I do differentiate her having hands and legs. Mm. Because the beast... Well, so this is... Like um, I'm thinking of the anatomy of a hare. They box with their forepaws. And if you've seen, like, videos of them boxing, oh, they're very, yeah. very quick and jabby. But, like, your back legs are very powerful, meaning you can jump. Or if you were to, like, jack kick, like a like a donkey kick someone, yeah. it'd be much more powerful than just, like, a quick s strike from your, your yeah. forepaws. Yeah, and, and I imagine, like, for running as well. Um, yeah. So I imagine she... When she needs to go somewhere fast, uh, as in just get from point A to point B, mm. she runs on all fours. Uh, well, when you're running all fours, the power is coming from your back legs, and your front legs are helping you balance. You don't just go head of, you know, ass of a kettle. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I do also imagine that, like on the picture on the thumbnail, uh, when she has her, uh, when she has her knife, knives mm. drawn, um, you know, she she goes into a bipedal stance, and yeah. uh, then she's like able to jump or. Mm run or something, I don't know. We'll see! So, something else that adventurers have is uh, gear. Standard gear are things you can always carry, and then you have, uh, additionally, carried items, which are things that fit in one or two hands, and pocket items, which are things that are smaller. Um, you can carry a certain number of carried items, but you can always carry your standard gear, which are four different tools, a weapon, or kind of a set of weapons, um, a packed lunch, so some food, or some kind of food source, um, money, some kind of currency, uh, a light source, and then a bag to carry all of that in. So, uh, what sort of tools does our good Greer have? Uh, well, she would have some manner of tanning tools. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it would be two slots, one for, like, the cutting and one for preserving. Mm -hmm. um, so all the necessary items for that. Uh... Three, uh... I think for cutting it would be your knives, which is your weapon. Yeah, yeah, but but for, yeah, um, tool three. I imagine she probably have, uh, you know, something out of like an adventurer's explorer kit, mm. uh, like a rope, uh, mm -hmm. which probably yeah would be useful for you know tying down, uh, or like tripping or something. Um, so I would say she has a rope, uh. And for tool four, um, hmm. Does she have anything that she has carved from an animal? Any tools cool. made from her her bounties? Um. See, I don't think she's the kind of like person who would brandish that. Like, she wouldn't have a necklace of teeth or see, something gnarly. I'm not thinking a trophy. I'm thinking like a tool. Um, like, does she have a saw made of, like, uh, bone? Straight up bone. Yeah. Um, it... Does she have lockpicks made from, like, uh, a 
I the... do want to say that as part of a, uh, like, the chemist gear should probably mm -hmm. have, like, a vipe. Not a, I know there's not vipers in, uh, or are there, is there any poisonous snake in Scotland? Um, no. But you Adder. could have it imported. Or you could make a po you could have like a poisonous substance that you've concocted from plants. Adders aren't poisonous. I don't think they are. Hang on. I'll I don't Google know. It. Uh, I f I feel there was a book somewhere where someone died from an adder. Oh, venomous snake. Uh, but I don't because it's it's neat. I know they're in Central Europe because we had them. So country, the adder but... is not significantly venomous. Okay, so I would mm -hmm. say it is venom venomous, as in like. It's not significant to a human, but we're titans, so uh, yes, you can have Adam. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I was just thinking actually that as part of the chem set, it's more like she has an adder tooth to mm. kind of like as a droplet kind of thing to. Oh. Uh, but it, it, sorry, but that was like a by a, a, a um, secondary thought to. We'll put it in a carried item. Because you've you've had a long career, so you can have some extra carried items. Okay, thanks. Um, but when it comes to standard gear, uh, looking to a preserving sauce rib, because I, um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, oh, um, sharpening stone. Uh, to take care of her knives, they have to be very, very mm. sharp all the time. Um, whetstone. There we go. Thank you. I forgot what it's called. Uh, um, I'm just going to put vector next to Adisfang. Vector meaning uh, it is a vector for things to be delivered <laughs> through. So you can use it as a pipette, but you can also like... Oh, no, not vector, the adder. <laughs> Could you imagine vector's like, I want my tooth back, please. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's, a, it's a, a, a way to deliver things as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, for her packed lunch, uh, she has some kind of veg vegetal salad. Um, or actually, salad. Uh, what's that? Salad. <laughs> salad. Um, actually, I mean, no, because she, she's on the probably something like oat cakes or something. Something mm. you know, she's traveling quite a bit. Um, then uh, something that she can uh. Oat cakes with like dried fruit in. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Uh, and it is it is summer, so there's probably a lot of nice fruit to go in mm. there. Um, I don't know what her money is. Uh, we don't have currency in Beast Fables. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we we did say that uh, sometimes grain can be used because it's like a because mm. it's like a trade item because it's basically a food, but it's so universal. But um Ooh, actually I, I think... I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you five I made a note of this, I'm gonna give you five tusks. Um these aren't actual boar tusks, they are slices from a boar's tusk. Oh. And they are traded in at the arms and armament. Uh, gotcha. They're a, they are a proto currency for the Legion. Gotcha. Alright. Uh fantastic. I like that. Um, she has five tusks. Uh, her light source. Uh, hmm. I imagine she probably like doesn't use light source. Like she doesn't, because it gives away where you are. Um, but she actually probably like a hooded lantern or something. Something that mm. she can easily conceal. Hooded lantern's fine. Um, I would say 
Uh, for example, with Pipistrel's character, I've put echolocation instead of a light source because uh, specifically for bats, Pipistrel is a bat, um, she would not use a light source. She would use her echolocation to sort of see in dark spaces. Um, so that's something specific. But uh, otherwise, unless the, it's something really specific to that beast, I, I'm not giving a lot of beasts low light vision. Um, yeah, like yeah. Cat's yeah. Eyes. So like a cat would have cat's eyes. They can see in almost complete darkness, so they wouldn't have a light source. But yeah. Yeah, no, no worries at all. Uh, understandable. And then, um, just for aesthetic, how does um, uh, how is all of this carried? Uh, I think that she has. Uh, oh, how would you describe this? Uh, there's this very specific setup that I'm thinking of. Uh, it's like if you'd have a very long piece of cloth that you slot things in, and then you roll it up. Um, um, oh, like an art, like a, like a, so I'm thinking of a bandolier is like that, but it goes over the shoulder and it's like got pouches on and it's sort of like a, a, like uh, a sash, but and, you're thinking more like an artist's roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like a pencil roll. Um, yeah. uh, where every, cause she mostly carries like her tools, uh, and like it's, it's probably bound together with the rope, uh, to kind of keep mm. it, uh, pulled up. And, I'm going uh, to move the character has... to the side. I'm feeling it looks something like this. So you've got like the... It rolls out and the tools slot into it. And then it rolls up into sort of like a a tube that yeah. then has the rope around it and it's like a little messenger bag. Well, yeah, actually the way that I imagine is when we have her kind of from, from the back. Uh, uh, she has her ears here. Um, because she she has, she has like a weird, weird proportions. Uh, mm. and uh, she has her kind of belt, and then uh, she has her uh legs. Lead. Yeah, sure. It's her little bunny uh tail. It's just kind of on the back here. Mm. Um. So so that she can very free like she, if she had it over her shoulder, if she were running, it would kind of get underhand. So oh, it's yeah. on the back. So when and then she, she has like the rope around her waist, almost like a belt. Yeah, yeah. So, so like it can because she has a belt, uh, but mm. it can be like fastened. There's some manner of fancy knots that can fasten it yeah. together. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, when she's going about, I don't know. I mean, her so hunched back, but whatever. Um, she's a big bulky uh, power chest. Uh, knife. I like the gotta go. I didn't notice you wrote gotta go nof. <laughs> gotta go nof. Um, uh, but yeah, Sonic. that's kind of how it's carried. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't get in the way that much. Yeah, I'm going to delete this now. Um, yeah. So it's. Oh this, my god. Um, oh, oh, wow. Sorry, I just checked the YouTube comments. Um, someone's written thick thighs take lives. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> She Thank is you. I love it. A rabbit. So I understand their uh, yeah, their thighs would be. Yeah, well, actually, so... I was looking at I was looking earlier at just references of like how many toes mm -hmm. they have because I wasn't sure. And uh, there's just like a few photos, just like very charming photos of rabbits like cleaning their foot or something. And mm. their feet are so big when they splay them out, like all four fingers. And uh, man, it's it's intense. So I imagine you need some powerful upper legs to uh, propel those Would it be feet weird to... to say like a leather case? 
Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, we, we know what it is. We yeah, I feel like because so few creatures know what leather is, they don't understand what the material is, but it's the best thing to keep everything safe. It's like it's you've waterproofed it as well. Yeah. Maybe all tanners have these. It's like their sign of being a journeyman is that they have this leather case. Ah, I like to it. To show that they know, like it's their proof that they know how to do what is required of a tanner. In every sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Absolutely. And then, uh, oh yeah, because I see you already added her tanner's knife as her standard mm. gear. And those, I, I haven't, so I, I was thinking about them, and they're either, um, actually, you know, they're probably, I didn't draw it on her design, uh, but they're probably uh, on the sides of each leg. Uh, so they're very quick and easy to kind of draw. Uh, but once again, don't get in the way, so they're not like on her hip, because then they'd kind of get in the way of running. Hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're on on her sides, and they do just look like daggers until she takes them out, and then they they kind of have that stoutness of a uh, of a um, tanning knife or a what is it called? I forget. There's another name I used for them some time <laughs> ago, but I forget. Um, any case, uh, yeah, um, she has the carried item of an adder's fang as a vector. I can't really think of anything else right now. Um, she probably has. Apart from the five tusks, uh, do the mm. tusk legion operatives have some kind of marker, uh, like mm. Pipistrel's um, badge of the legion? This um, it's a it's carved again from uh, boar tusk. It's more three D, so it's it's like a carved badge or brooch that has been painted or gilt um, with maybe mm. copper or something like that. So it's like ivory and copper. Um, oh, and it immediately marks you as um, higher up in the Legion's hierarchy. I think maybe like the, the commanders, because they're led by white flank, maybe they have like brooches that are white. So um, And they're more intricate, like the higher R in rank you are. But this sort of like ivory and copper is a symbol that you're part of the Legion and you're allowed to go where you want. You're not to be stopped, you're not to be questioned. Heck yeah. Can't wait to flash that. <laughs> I'm going to put it in your pocket items because it's not large enough to be uh, in your tool pouch, so to speak. Okay, okay. Um, uh, she probably... Yeah, it's probably somewhere on the... like. Uh, she kind of wears it almost like a, like a charm somewhere on the back of her belt mm. just because if it's 3D, it won't really wrap up as nicely. Uh, so it's probably... Yeah. Kind well, when I say 3D, I mean, like, it's a brooch with a relief, so it's something you could easily just, oh, like, okay. put into, like, your, like, take out of, like, have on a necklace or what, take out of your, your, your coat or something like, to show. Like a police badge, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, actually, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Uh, it's not I like a, like a 3D sure. object. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna grab some water, I'll be two seconds, I'll be back, and then we'll start the adventure. Okay. Oh, while Brian's away, I can uh, quickly uh, do what I was supposed to do in my intro, uh, which is preemptively apologize for Greer's voice, much like Avata. Balthazar. So I definitely think this is going to be a, a two-part.